Hello, this is episode two of Mental Health in the Built Environment. I am your host, Keely Smith. This segment will focus on mental health during natural disaster events. Large-scale natural disasters are often catastrophic and include hurricanes, flooding, earthquakes, tsunamis, and tornadoes. It has become evident in my lifetime that events like these are incurring at an increasing frequency, largely due to climate change. They affect large numbers of people, probably because the world population density is ever increasing. The most societal upheaval resulting from natural disasters concentrated at its impact and diminishes as the distance from it increases. Our lifestyles, our community, and the technology available to us generally make us feel safe and secure for the most part. However, in a natural disaster event, we are unable to control Mother Nature, our security is taken away from us abruptly, and this leaves us extremely vulnerable. News broadcasts and social media allow people unaffected by the disaster to monitor the events. But over time, it becomes less of a concern. We certainly don't think of the mental health effects of those dealing directly with the disaster. Mental health practitioners have identified several groups of people in vulnerable populations impacted by disasters. Now they cite, one, people with pre-existing social problems, such as those suffering discrimination, poverty, those marginalized populations or those politically oppressed people. Second, social problems caused by disaster, including family separation, degradation of social networks, or dismantling of community support structures. A third group are mental disorders caused by the disaster itself. They cause grief, distress, anxiety, they cause depression, they also cause post-traumatic stress disorder. Then we have a couple of groups that are, you know, caused by or they arise after humanitarian aid efforts are implemented. One is that they have social problems following humanitarian aid, where there's an undermining of community or undermining of traditional support mechanisms. Another is social and psychological problems following humanitarian aid. There's anxiety. There's depression due to poor management of the distribution of essential items like food and clothing. Or, for example, the dissemination of uh, and accuracy of this information about the situation at hand. These groups often overlap and people fall into more than one group. Some situations exacerbate others and vice versa. We can divide disaster events with respect to time as pre-disaster, within disaster, and post-disaster. And we expect different mental health risks for each. Some of them are real and some of them are perceived. Risk factors for people's response to pre and post-disaster phases include uh, demographics, coping behavior, uh, their mental health history, their social support system, trauma they suffered or other life stressors. On the other hand, Within disaster risks include things like death, whether a person's witnessed or experienced pain or traumatic event, 
the family separation or the death of a loved one or the thought that one's life is in danger and personal injury, of course. Many times these people face property loss, which displaces them from home and community. Children have emotional problems when there is family instability. Middle-aged adults are affected negatively when they are unable to perform their responsible duties. And older adults have a reduced ability to cope later in the disaster event, especially, especially if they have had health or income problems which existed prior to the disaster. It's not surprising that minority groups of lower socioeconomic status have less favorable mental health well-being following disasters. The literature also points out that while married men seem to fare better, married women have less favorable mental health well-being if they are giving more social support than they receive. Mental health conditions manifest acutely as cognitive dysfunction or inappropriate interpersonal behaviors and mood swings. These can progress to becoming more chronic problems such as alcohol abuse, depression, violent behavior, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and even schizophrenia or other disorders. So it's apparent that people may be grouped by their mental health needs in a number of ways. People at risk of mental health disorders due to their exposure from the catastrophe itself. Of course, this could be pre-existing or a new condition as a result of it. There are also people who have pre-existing mental health disorders and who require ongoing care. These people are at risk of being unable to continue their treatment as a result of the breakdown of services previously available to them. There are also people experiencing the disaster who may have a relapse of a pre-existing mental health disorder. And then finally, we must consider emergency responders here. They may be experienced in dealing with the emergency at hand, but in doing so, they suffer mental health problems as a result of their work in the field. Mental health generally does improve as services that provide basic human needs are restored. But there's still a need to focus on long-term mental health following natural disasters. It is essential that family physicians remain vigilant so that they may recognize mental health in their patients who have encountered these type of events. Well, we've come to the end of this segment on mental health in the built environment. Thank you for tuning in. Please join us for our next episode.